Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ambassadors Forum radio show here on True Talk 800 AM KPDQ. I'm your host, Roy Swart, father of seven, MIT graduate, active engineer in the high-tech industry, and most importantly, bought and paid for, bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our mission here at the Ambassadors Forum is to equip you to be able to defend your faith. Well, we are coming off a magnificent event. Last weekend, we held our fourth annual apologetics conference. This year, we had to go totally virtual, and we were worried whether or not all the technology and online access was going to work. But both our tech team and logistics team and really our entire staff of volunteers did an amazing job. Because it was virtual, we were able to broadcast across the entire country. We had people join us from the West Coast, the East Coast, the South, the North, the Midwest, and even several people from around the world. We were blessed to have many of the best apologists in the market today come and speak to us about topics like truth, the Bible, worldview, social issues, justice, love, doubt, Gen Z, how to train and protect our children in today's environment of institutional indoctrination, the whole spectrum. For this week's episode, we're going to interview one of the speakers that spoke at that conference last weekend. My guest today is Alec McClellan from Josh McDowell Ministry. Alec loves to tell others about the hope that believers can have in this broken world by encouraging Christians with reasons to believe, equipping Christians with reasons to share, and engaging non-Christians with reasons to think. Born in Edinburgh, Scotland, Alec got his BA in Communications from Moody Bible Institute and his M.A. in Philosophy of Religion from Talbot School of Theology. Alec, welcome to the show. Hey, Roy. So glad to be here, and it's great to make the connection and excited about some of the, the work you're doing. Uh, let's jump into some questions. So the Josh McDowell Ministry is one of the premier Christian apologetics ministries in the world. What did you do before full-time Christian ministry, and how did you get into the field of apologetics? Hmm. Rewinding back to my own kind of family circumstances very briefly, I was born in Scotland. My family weren't Christians, and my parents got divorced when I was young. I was three years old. But they actually ended up um, coming to Christ, uh, and my mother first, and then my father, and then they got back together. They uh, got wow. remarried to each other, and so as a nine-year-old wow. boy, I had exposure to Christianity, to the impact that it can have, the reality that it is, and that it really changes people for the better, which got my attention, and it's when I made a commitment myself personally to follow Jesus. Now, mm. as a nine-year-old boy, a lot of my new faith was really anchored on this good outcome um, in mm. terms of what happened in my family. But in mm. my teenage years, I realized that not every family gets back together. In fact, even Christian families can fall apart. And mm. so I think that was per perhaps the first sowing of seeds of needing something stronger and deeper to stand on, uh, wrestling with that for a while um, until really coming to kind of a, a deeper sense of understanding that this is true. And if this is true, then regardless of, of immediate circumstances or someone else's experience, 
it's unshakable. You know, when you know something is true, there's there's nowhere else to go. Now, I didn't define that as apologetics. I hadn't never really heard the term until I went to Bible college, went to Moody Bible Institute, took a class in apologetics, started to read for the class and just was gobbling it up mm. and really enjoying it. Mm. And even my professor at the time was encouraging me to maybe pursue that, although I wasn't really thinking along those lines at the time. So I kind of stumbled into it in terms of a, a field or a discipline, mm. but I came out of it on the background of someone who had just naturally encountered the importance of it. And as a consequence, one of the things I love working with Josh Medell Ministry is, is that we don't view apologetics as those who really understand, like yourself, understand apologetics. It's not mm. a distinct discipline. You know, it's not for a particular demographic. It's not right. for some and not for others. This is for everybody. And this is something that we're already doing whether or not we realize it right. or give it a label or a title. So mm. I love engaging with people who would normally run in the opposite direction of the word apologetics and drawing them back in to the conversation and talking about things mm. that can really encourage them and by default very naturally equip them to reach out to the people around them. Oh, that's a great way to, to state it, Alec, and it definitely has mimics my own experience in the field. Uh, it, apologetics is very misunderstood. <laughs> and mm-hmm. But when you have the time to explain it, everybody, I think, appreciates it and wants to engage. So that's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you have a very helpful way of viewing the world that you call a jigsaw guide to life. Mm-hmm. Explain that concept to our listeners. Yeah, I, I kind of stumbled on something that's not... Um, it's not brand new, it's a, it's a concept that already is very familiar, but I was using um, as a teaching tool uh, jigsaw puzzles and I would have people work on these jigsaw puzzles perhaps as an icebreaker, particularly if I was working with youth groups and using it as a, as a metaphor for life, for the world that we live in and I found that it a very easy way to make a connection with people today and actually I've got this other way that you can share the gospel very quickly and under 10 seconds without speaking a word. But as part of that gospel presentation, one of the challenges that we have as Christians is a starting point. Where do we begin? Mm. Because if people view the world very differently, what is a common denominator? And, you know, typically or traditionally, people maybe begin with uh, maybe a a Bible verse or some kind of biblical truth that may may sound cliche to the person we're talking to, even if this is something that is real and they need to know and it may turn them away. And if we reference even the Bible too quickly, people are not neutral about the Bible today. They have many negative ideas about the Bible, misunderstandings about it. And so it's trying to frame and reference our conversation in a way where we can connect with people. And so what I discovered was that there's um, a few things that we can say to connect with everybody. And it works every time, every place, Mm. with every person. There's something we can say to engage someone in a conversation, talking about things that really matter. And this works every time, every place, with every person. And I've Mm. used this hundreds of times. And it's very, very simple, but it starts out with just pointing at the fact that this world is broken. Uh, I've never yet had anyone, and I've talked to hundreds of people <laughs> about this, they've never yet said, oh, no, it isn't. It isn't broken, you know? Yeah. And I think uh, we were talking earlier before we came on air just about society and the world yeah. we live in just now. The brokenness of the world is is more visible and obvious than ever. And the second thing is that life is confusing. Mm. We all know what it's like to look at life and to scratch our head, yeah. just not able to really make sense of things and being confused. 
And then the third part of this, this triad, if you like, is that we, we're never going to find all the answers. And when I talk to people very quickly, they understand the world is broken, life is confusing, we're never going to find all the answers. And I grew up in a generation in Scotland, and this translates uh, to many cultures around the world. At that point, people stop asking the questions because wow. they think of the world's broken and life is confusing. And if I already know, we're never going to find all the answers. What's the point asking the questions? Mm. And so they press pause. They take these big questions and they put them on the shelf and they try to ignore them as best they can on just get on living life mm. in a very kind of existential way, just living for now, living for the moment, living for today. Don't think about those questions because we cannot answer them. Mm. And just to try and wrestle with them is just a recipe for frustration. Mm. And so what I do to encourage people, listen, I agree with you, the world is broken, life is confusing, we're never going to find all the answers. But let's take those down from the shelf just for a moment, because if we can look at the world like a jigsaw puzzle, something that instantly connects with people around the world and it's cross-cultural, uh, it's open to all ages and stages, they understand what a jigsaw puzzle is. And if you look at life in the world like a broken jigsaw puzzle, it's broken, um, it can be confusing, we're never going to find all the pieces of the puzzle of the world, that's for sure. Mm. But there's something so simple and yet so powerful, a truth about the jigsaw puzzle, that is this, if you want to see the big picture, you don't need every single piece of a mm. puzzle in place. Mm. If you want to see the big picture, you don't need every single piece of a puzzle. So suddenly something that is out of reach is within reach mm. because we realize something we already know, but we need to recall, and that is you mm. don't need to know everything to know the truth. Mm. And suddenly the conversation is back on the table and we mm. can start to talk about these things that really matter, have some conversations that count. So the jigsaw puzzle, I've used it in a number of different countries with people of all ages and stages. And I find it's a very, very simple tool, but it's a good bridge builder, particularly when we're trying to reach the hard to reach, those who are unchurched, those who are uh, negatively disposed towards the Bible or Christianity. How can we even start the conversation? Well, the brokenness of world, the confusion of life, the fact we'll never have all the answers, connects with every person everywhere, every time. And then talking about the jigsaw puzzle, rather than put these things on the shelf as unknowable, out of reach, these things may be knowable, they may be within reach, if we can find enough pieces. And that starts our investigation. Wow, what a great picture. Alec, of how we approach apologetics and how we approach the truth. That's very, very helpful. As a follow-up on that, um, how much of the jigsaw puzzle do you think people need to have in place in order to see the big picture? In other words, what would be the key foundational truths that every Christian would need to know to have that biblical worldview or that bi big picture? Hmm. I think there's so many ways to apply this jigsaw puzzle analogy, and I've written about this before too, and these are, these are good questions. I think two things I would say to this. Number one, I would say is that when it comes to Christianity, the gospel in essence is, is relatively simple. I mean, if you look at Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, where we're talking about the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, you know, we have this kind of core belief in terms of what the gospel is, but how many pieces of the puzzle does someone need? Well, that really depends on the person. And it's funny that you can have a jigsaw mm. puzzle, even just any kind of jigsaw puzzle about a picture or something. And I sometimes illustrate this. I'll show a picture of something that's relatively well known, maybe the Mona Lisa, mm. but I have pieces missing. 
and I'll say to people, okay, who knows what this is a picture of? Most of the hands go up. Maybe a mm. couple of hands don't go up, mm. but most of the hands go up. They say, I, I think I know what this is. And I say, well, hold on a second. You've, you've got pieces missing. Like, yeah, but I've got enough pieces. <laughs> but they may be sitting next to someone mm. who says, I want more pieces. And mm. that's okay. Mm. Because it's interesting, as you talk to people who follow Jesus and you hear their stories and you hear the things that are persuasive and influential in their life, they're no carbon copy to anybody else. There are different things that are um, mm. more powerful or potent in our life. Our, our experiences uh, always play a big part, but there's other factors, other things that we look at. I met a man many years ago, uh, and uh, it was in Atlanta, Georgia. I was living there for a year working on staff with a church, and he said that um, he came to Christ through hemoglobin. And I thought, wow, that's, <laughs> wow. that's an unusual um, evangelism tool. But he was a biologist, and he just marveled at the biology uh, of certain things that God had created, and it just started him on this journey of pursuing the one who'd put this together. So I think when we share our faith, and what I always remind people too, one of the key verses that within apologetics, we're always talking about First Peter 3.15, you know, in terms of our responsibility, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Mm. And so when I share that with people, I encourage them because I say, you know what your responsibility is? Your responsibility is to share the reason for the hope that you have. Mm. It's not your responsibility yeah. to share the reason for the hope someone else has. You don't even know what that hope would be. <laughs> but, and the beauty of that is that when we share what we believe and why we believe it, now if this is true, it will resonate with other people too. But as we share this, and as we share it gently and respectfully, even if that person turns around and walks away, God doesn't say you failed, he says you've been faithful. And so when it comes to sharing our faith and it comes to apologetics, we share what we believe, we share the reason why we believe it gently and respectfully and independent of the outcome. God says, you haven't failed, you've been faithful. Mm. So that even if people turn around and walk away, that's, and we've done it in the right way and we've shared why we believe, why, uh, what we believe and why we believe it. And I point people to Jesus, Jesus shared with people and no one could share better than him. Mm. And yet some said, thanks but no thanks. Mm. So I think that takes some of the weight off our shoulders when it comes to apologetics. You know, we think we have to share reasons why they will believe, and if they don't believe, then we've failed, we've fallen short. But our responsibility is to share why we believe. And everybody has reasons. Mm. Now, we don't stop and think about those reasons, so it's a wonderful exercise to press pause and to dig deeper, to think, why do I believe this? Mm. But that exercise is great because it affirms us and it prepares us to share with others. Mm, that's very good. You have a wonderful approach to Christians who are struggling with doubt about what they believe. Is it okay to doubt as a Christian? And what should we do about it? I think a lot of people who uh, speak on doubt, and I speak on doubt quite a lot, um, it often is a consequence of the journey they've had. And I've wrestled with some deep, dark doubts. I've been in some dark tunnels. And as God brought me through those tunnels... As a consequence, it gave me a sensitivity to others who are stumbling around with some of these uh, difficult situations or questions. So um, I do speak on doubt a lot, and someone who has come through doubt, as a consequence, 
you're strengthened, you're emboldened, um, and so you're equipped even greater than you were before. So when people have doubts, when I, I remember writing about this um, and then mentioning the fact that when I'd written a book with IVP, brought it home, my daughter, who was young at the time, about 12 years old, was looking at the book and she turned to the chapter and it was um, how to deal with doubt. And she said that would be the first chapter that she would read. Mm. Uh, and I tell people that when she said that, I didn't say, shh, what are you saying? <laughs> I'm an You're the daughter of an apologist, an evangelist. I'll get, I'll get fired. What do you mean you're going to, you know? Instead of that, I was actually thankful. Mm. I was appreciative mm. and I was excited because she's a thinker yeah. and she needs to dig deeper on some of these issues and she needs to wrestle with these things. And so doubt is a incredibly positive thing it can be now when i t teach and talk about doubt i also say there's a negative side to it we can use doubt as a as a smoke screen mm. we can use it as some kind of evasive tactic to avoid going somewhere that we do not want to go i'll sometimes mm. illustrate this you know with uh, for example in a chess match when you're making a chess move you may hesitate because you're not sure where to move. And so you're perusing the board, you're mm. envisaging different outcomes. And so you're getting ready to move, but eventually you've got to take that piece and you've got to move it. Mm. If someone's in a situation in a chess game that they realize if they move somewhere, if they move anywhere, this is not going to end well for them. <laughs> so they just may be pausing and pondering. And the reason they put the stop clock into these games is so that, hey, listen, sooner or later, you got to move, you know? <laughs> and uh, I like what GK Chesterton said. He said, an open mind, uh, is like an open mouth. Sooner or later, you got to shut down on something solid, you know. So mm. an open mind mm. is good, and mm. it's good to ponder things. And even if you have doubts, it's good to wrestle with these things. Mm. Um, but if you're truly pursuing answers, not just trying to uh, be evasive, you know, or just to just avoid dealing with uncomfortable issues, it can be a very, very positive experience. Particularly because most of the doubts people people struggle with are not new. Uh, in fact, none of them are new. Mm. I love unearthing Ravi Zacharias used to say he would uh, speak in universities across the country, across the world in his ministry that he did for many years. I don't think any, many people did better. Mm. And Ravi used to say, you know, before we go into university and have an open forum with questions, if you give me a blank piece of paper, I'll write down on that piece of paper the, the 10, 20 questions we're going to get asked tonight. <laughs> I'll tell you already. We're not even mm. there yet. And give me a, I'll write it down on a piece of paper for mm. you right now. Mm. Because perhaps articulated slightly differently, but effectively the same questions are being asked, mm. um, you know, by different people, a new generation. But they kind of go to the core of some of the, the real issues of the human condition, things that we wrestle with. Mm. Um, and like a jigsaw puzzle too, there are going to be some questions that we have to defer to say, listen, we, we, we don't get it. There's not an answer perhaps that we can really arrive at that we're comfortable with. Mm. But one of the, the powerful things about the jigsaw analogy is that I say to people in my own life, I look at the world as a puzzle and you know what? I've got pieces missing. I've got pieces missing. In fact, you know what's even more than that? I'm holding on to some pieces and I'm thinking, how does this fit into the picture? <laughs> But I don't collapse my faith at that point. I revisit my gaze on the many, many things that do stand out and snap into place. And I have enough, I have more than enough mm. to look at life 
and be confident I can see the big picture with those pieces missing. Now, I hope some of those pieces get filled in as life goes on. I hope some of those pieces I'm holding on to that I don't know where they go. I'd love to mm. snap some of those things into place. And over time, some will, but some won't. Mm. So doubt can be very positive when someone is really looking at life and looking for answers. If someone has that evidential itch to pursue these things, but also it can be a negative thing. So when we're talking to someone, we want to try and discern, is this person just looking for an exit strategy? Are they just looking for a way of the conversation? Mm. Or do they really want to dig deep? Because if they do, there's some wonderful things that we can uncover. Oh, that's great, Alex. Well, this is the last question. Um, I know that you present a lot about the evidences for the Bible, so I'd like to land here. What is the number one internal evidence that the Bible is reliable? Hmm. I mean, people will talk biblically, you know, about the witness of the Holy Spirit, which is the ultimate affirmation for every Christian. And that could lend itself to a variety of things because every belief that we have, uh, ultimately reason will fall short. You know, we will never be exhaustive in our understanding in relation to any question. So when it comes to the Word of God, when it comes to anything, ultimately, you know, we have to take that step of faith to trust. Um, but the, the beautiful thing about the Bible is that it says that while faith is necessary, it is a reasonable faith. Mm. So there are reasons that undergird and walk alongside that faith. You do not close your eyes, you open them. God's Word is called revelation because it's to be revealed, it's to be known, it's to be accessible, it's to be intelligible, it's walking in the light, it's not walking in the darkness. Mm. And so we have this faith that we need uh, in order to, to trust and God helps us to kind of have that connection, that commitment, but it's a reasonable faith. It's wedded to what is right and what is true, things that stand out and resonate with reality. And it's people who um, walk away from those things that walk into the darkness. They walk away from what God has revealed and made known. So I think ultimately, um, you know, we need to have that faith, but it's a reasonable faith. Uh, reason will always fall short. There'll always be gaps, always be things that we don't understand. But God has revealed many things enough where we can have this faith that is anchored in the real world. And I think that's one of the huge advantages that we have as Christians when we talk about things that really matter. Uh, other people care about the things that we care about. That's another good starting point. You know, people talk about issues in the world today, things that are happening. A lot of people who don't uh, follow Jesus, a lot of people who don't even believe in God, they would say. They care about the same things. But how do they anchor those things? How do they justify those concerns? So the world is not just what is, but there's a way the world ought to be. And that disconnect, something that Schaefer would often write about, that tension between other people looking at the world and saying that this is broken, this is messed up, there's a way it mm. ought to be, mm. without having the God of the Bible to give us justification and explanation for that, people are floundering, you know, their feet are planted in midair. And so we can come alongside them, we can agree, we can applaud them for recognizing these good things, but then we can anchor them in the truth of the Christian worldview. Mm, thanks for being on the show, Alec. Excellent, Roy. Thank you for today, and keep shining where you are in the Pacific Northwest. Thanks. Now, how about you? Where are you with the Lord today? What hard questions are you struggling with? The Bible has answers. In fact, it has the answer to the hard question that you are struggling with right now. You can do this, and the Ambassadors Forum is here to help you get started. 
go to our website at theambassadorsforum.com. While you're there, you can look at some of the questions that we've already answered. You can ask us your hard question. You can sign up to receive our monthly newsletter and keep updated. You can browse through some of our helpful resources. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and sign up to join us for one of our monthly forum events where we have great speakers presenting on relevant topics. Our website is always the best place for updated information. Finally, thank you for joining us on the radio today. You can join us every Saturday at 9.30 a.m. here on True Talk 800 a.m. KPDQ. I pray that God will raise you up in your own faith and send you out to share that faith with others in the grace and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Until next time, I'm Roy Swart. May the Lord bless you and keep you.